Welcome to episode 5 of the Service Design Podcast. I'm David Morgan from Night Moves and together with Stina von Hof and in collaboration with the Service Design Network, we have conversations about service design with practitioners from around the globe. This is the second episode of a series in which we talk to the winners of the Service Design Awards. Today we're speaking with Gail Rice who won the award for Best Student Project. Her project deals with young people leaving the care system. Hi, Gail. Welcome uh, to our show. Uh, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I'm well. How are you? Very, really good. It's, uh, everybody's ill here around the office, of course. My children, too. <laughs> I hear you're a bit ill, too. Yeah, I've got, um, I've got a sore throat. Um, I think it's just finishing up work and then getting excited about the holidays. And then <laughs> everything that you've been battling for a while kind of sneaks up on you. Yes, because we're right in front of a Christmas period, right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. You have a holiday as well? I do, yeah, yeah um, nice. <laughs> for a couple of weeks, so it should be good. Uh, then you can rest. Yeah, hopefully, get my voice back. So we're speaking to you because uh, you're one of the winners of the Service Design Award this year. And uh, we'd like to ask you uh, something, some questions about uh, your project that you signed up with and uh, what, what the award means to you. Uh, but before we get started, perhaps, could you please uh, introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure, okay. Um, hello, everybody. Um, my name's Gail Rice. Um, I live in Scotland. I live in Glasgow. Um, I am I'm a graphic designer by um, background, um, and I've been working for about 10 or 15 years, but um, for the past... Um, Seven of those I've also been studying part-time, um, doing a service design degree. How did you get from uh, from graphic design into service design? Um, so when I was doing my degree, I did a traditional graphic design degree, so it was really about um, answering clients' briefs um, and visualising those. And I was quite interested in the impact of the work that I created Um and, and wanted to understand more about that, but that wasn't really possible on the degree that I was doing. Um, and so I've kind of pursued that in my professional career, trying to understand um, how you can better engage with people that are um, using whatever it is that you may be designing. So I got into research a little bit that way, um, but um, realized that I, I wasn't really able to do that in a commercial realm at the time in which I was working. Um, so I had to do something for me through education that really enabled me to get to what was the impact of my work. Okay. How do you think your graphic design skills help you in the service design projects? Um, so I tend to think about um, information visually. Um, so I think that can be quite useful for people. I think people are quite used to listening um, and talking and listening and talking. So um, having that visual intervention can be quite useful, both when you're, you're doing the work, but also as a potential um, part of a service design after you've finished designing. 
Uh, could you tell us uh, a little bit more of what you're doing now? What's your job or are you still studying or what's your current uh, function? Sure. Um, so I finished my PhD at the start of this year um, and I had been working part time an organization called the Institute for Research and Innovation in Social Services. Um, and I was using uh, my design skills um, to develop demonstration projects about different ways of um, doing things um, in the social service sector in Scotland. Um, and I left there in October and I've been working as a consultant for the past couple of months um, in Scotland. And it's um, in the same area as I did my PhD um, I'm also talking to the Glasgow City Council, who I did my um, PhD with, to figure out how we can continue to develop the intervention that I created for the PhD. Okay. And uh, for the listeners, could you also tell us a bit about the, the project that you won the award for? Sure. So um, the project I won the award for um, was really... Um, looking at experiences of young people who've been cared by the state and who are leaving care. Um, in Scotland, there's a, a prevalence for young people who've been cared for to experience homelessness when they're leaving home. And that's really um, not the case for other young people who've been cared for by their parents. Um, and so I wanted to really take a look at what was going on there. Um, so I worked with um, social workers who um, support young people during that transition and then observed how they work with young people when they're talking about where they could live um, and then worked with young people and social workers in, in co-design teams to think about what could improve that experience. Um, and we created a series of um, activities which shifted the roles that people needed to engage with one another in. Um, beforehand it been, the power dynamic had been quite strong that the social worker knew most of the information um, and it was very much a tell um, and we, re we redesigned it so it was a much more facilitated experience um, and much more exploratory so that young people were able to um, develop decision making skills um, and inquire and understand and, and really think about where they might want to live just the way that you or I might do when we were moving house. Um, and we tested that um, with a group of young people that hadn't been part of the co-design team and who were actually thinking about where they might live at the moment. Um, and that group um, found that the experience um, really useful for them. They felt quite empowered by the experience and were able to articulate exactly where they wanted to live and why, which was a distinct difference um, from my observations before where young people were... Um, saying what they hoped would happen, but it wasn't really um, in any foundation of what was possible. Um, or they were saying what their social worker had said um, because they didn't know any other way of moving on from care. Um, so the project was able to show, the project um, developed an, an intervention um, and co-designed that. Um, so the work created an intervention that um, the service is able to use but also was able to see what the impact of that was to people and how it made a difference to them and their experiences. I was I'm very curious on how you collaborated with uh, young people and how you managed to get the right insights, because I can imagine it's quite a sensitive uh, topic at some uh, points. What kind of techniques or uh, 
yeah, how did you manage to get the right uh, insights out of out of them? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, with massive difficulty is uh, is my answer. Um, I had to go through a series of different um, processes to try and um, learn what it was that I really needed to learn. So my I've uh, trained as a mentor for young people that are leaving care. So I have an, an insight into how to work with young people and I've um, got experience of doing that. So I'm kind of aware of um, different ways to approach young people. And the key thing is that they feel listened to. So using tools um, and techniques and having it be about um, something else, I, I decided wasn't the right way to go. Um, they needed their voice to be heard. So it was really um, quite simply about interviewing them and listening to them. But I tried that and it didn't work um, because I wanted to talk about their experiences as they left care and they were unable to really hone in on one part of that transition. They needed to tell me their whole life experience. And that was just a small component of it. So it made me realize that what I wanted to look at really wasn't a big deal to them. There was things that were much more important. So interviews, they didn't really work out. And I was aware that if I got young people in a group and, and did some activities that tried to get them to focus on that particular transition, they might feel I was ignoring what they thought was important, which was why they came into care, they're experiencing care and how they were living their lives now. Um, so what I ended up doing was observations, um, so kind of ethnic design ethnographies and going into the service with one of the social workers and um, shadowing her. But I asked her specifically only to invite me to meetings where she was having a conversation about where a young person might live. So I was able to hone in on the data there. But again, that was quite difficult because um, I was able to, to judge what the experience was like for her because I could ask her questions afterwards. But for the young person, I didn't have a pre-existing relationship with them. So um, it was very difficult for me to talk to them after um, afterwards or during. I couldn't talk to them during because it was very stressful for them. Um, and I would have been interrupting something that was really important to them just because I wanted to know something. So that didn't feel right. Um, and when I spoke to them afterwards, because they didn't know me very well, they weren't really willing to um, to share very much about um, their experiences. And they, they weren't sure how I was going to use it. It's, it's hard to build up trust. So I had to use the interview data and the little insights that I'd gathered from that the observation data and the little insights that I'd gathered from that and move straight into the co-design workshops. And actually the young people that I'd worked with in that group, I knew very well. So I was kind of able to triangulate the data between the three methods to um, figure out exactly what it was we needed to do. Um, but it wasn't a perfect science by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's quite a lot of negotiation and re-reflection and revisiting data to come up with quite specific insights about what the intervention was going to do. And even then, if I'm really truthful, I would say it was through the co-design process that we actually pinpointed um, the insights and what we'd do in response to that. Um, I had to really analyse the data with the young people to be able to get to that point. So quite messy, <laughs> but it worked. Okay. So that's quite good. Yeah. Did you just say that you um, analysed the data together with the young people? Yeah. Um, so I shared a lot of uh, the stories of the design ethnography with them 
because what we would end up doing would be having quite a lot of debates about different people's experiences and what was important to them. Um, and so I uh, really needed to draw in a, a much wider perspective about the young people that I'd observed and spoken to in interviews to really um, bring a more generalised um, perspective so that we weren't just focusing on one person's experience at one particular time. Okay, that's interesting. What, what were some of the really valuable insights you got out of that process? Something you th you wouldn't have gotten uh, from just doing observations or interviews? Well, that's a really good question. Um, so the biggest insight for me was that in the co-design process, um, both the young people and the social workers um, didn't think that um, creating any activities or materials that would support those activities would help. They didn't think the intervention would work. Um, their view quite strongly um, was that the other person needed training so they could communicate better. Um, that's the young person's view. And the social workers were just aware that young people were very stressed in this situation and they couldn't really do too much about that because the situation actually was stressful. So the co-design um, teams didn't work together because they weren't ready to work together. So I was um, mediating between the two. So th as a consequence of that, they were able to tell me what they thought the other group should do, which they maybe wouldn't have done if they were working together. Um, but they were also telling me that my approach wasn't going to work. So I, I don't know what particular insight I'd draw there. <laughs> I think it's quite complex. But es essentially, I think people in social services sector don't really recognise the qualities that material culture can bring into interactions. So I had to be quite firm. And it was one, the one point in the kind of participatory process where I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to um, I'm going to do this the way that I want to do it because it's the purpose of um, the PhD. And I suppose I had um, power in that sense, but I definitely feel awkward about it. Um, but uh, So the insight at the end of all of that really was that that is one of the contributions of service design. It's one of the contributions of design is um, actually helping people understand how the qualities of materials can help them engage with people in a different way um, and so although I feel awkward about it I think it's got quite a positive yeah. outcome. Could you uh, tell us a little bit more about those materials, uh, those things you made in this uh, design process? Sure, um, they're very simple, <laughs> they are it's, they're just paper-based prototypes, um, they're very rough, quite raw and need quite a bit of development. Um, but they're just simply um, ways of helping people broaden the perspective that they're using when they're talking together. So um, we designed three activities and so there was three sets of materials for each of those activities. The first activity was getting young people to think about what they wanted their life to look like after they were leaving care. Um, so it's just a series of pictures and mind maps, um, which was a very different way for them to work. Um, and using those visuals to prompt different conversations and then mapping that in a way that is relevant to them and that they're in control of that conversation because they are able to use that that information and um, they're able to make it richer. Um, the second activity was, because it was about moving on from home, we wanted to make it, the young people decided they wanted it to be as normal as possible. 
So we tried to create something that was similar to going to an estate agent's when you're looking for a house. Um, so we created a series of schedules. Um, so, um, so there was just leaflets with um, all the photographs of everywhere that you could live and information about um, the um, those places. A map so that people could see where they were all over Glasgow and then some glossary information. And that sounds very simple to um, anyone else that might be looking for a house, but it didn't exist. Um, so that's a lot of information to share in an interaction and it's very easy to get lost in a lot of the language. And some young people are 15 or 16, so they don't even know the city and didn't know what particular types of accommodation were, didn't know what they looked like. Um, so that was a massive shift to have those materials in that conversation um, and really brought the the interaction to, to life for young people. And then the final activity was about planning. So it was a sheet with, it was a very simple template that brought together what they'd done in the first two activities. So they were able to synthesize the decisions they were making um, and then allocate each other responsibilities so that they knew what people were doing next. So they were just ways of guiding the conversation really. Um, would you say there are any challenges in doing a co-creation with uh, with young people? Anything that that you need to take a different approach than than doing co-creation with adults, for instance? Yeah, um, I would say um, definitely when working with young people who don't feel they have a voice, listening is more important than any type of design tool or technique or activity or session. Um, and building up trust. And that takes quite a bit of time to do. Um, I had to make a decision in my work whereby I wasn't going to bring both groups together because I could have actually spent six months just getting them both ready to work with one another. And that would have been <laughs> the length of the, the, the time I had. We wouldn't have got to any of the co-design stuff. Um, so there's something about people's readiness to engage with the kind of conversations that you're wanting to have um, and also being aware that for some some people aren't ready um, and that can mean that they want to talk about something entirely different because that's what they need to talk about but that's not of use to your work or they become quite upset because it's reliving things that they maybe haven't processed yet or, um, or they become quite angry and want something to change and I'm not the person that has the power that's able to do that so I think there's something quite um, specific about setting um, up work so that everybody feels comfortable, able to engage and is aware of what is possible within the realms of working together in the time that you've got to do that together. And that can take quite a long time. Um, and I don't know if designers are always the right people to do that. Um, I've had experience um, training as a mentor and working with young people in different ways. I also worked as a facilitator for large groups of young people um, for a number of years as well. So I had a little bit of knowledge and training and experience in that area, which made me quite cautious in some ways. And that might have been a, a bit of a drawback. Um, but I suppose I was always quite aware of what the impact of my, my bringing things up that they might not necessarily have been thinking about beforehand might have had on them. So I just wanted to make sure there was kind of a safe space for doing that. And then once getting into working with them and there was trust there, um, can have quite a lot of fun <laughs> with young people 
because they're some are quite willing to just try out new things whereas when I've worked with adults they've need quite a bit of coaching to get into things so um yeah I suppose it's different for every group it's about kind of knowing who's in the group and how ready they are to to get on with certain certain ways of working how did you uh select the group that you were going to work with throughout the project were there some deliberate choices in there like who you uh Uh, wanted to pick the variations in your group? Yeah, definitely. I had to be quite strategic about that, I think, um, due to the time that I had. And also, um, it wasn't a co-production project, and that, which I think means that you would really involve anybody that really had energy around doing some stuff. So when I was doing the observations, I was quite specific that the young people that I would get to see were definitely having this conversation about where they might live. I also wanted to see, and this actually might relate back to your question about insights and particular insights. In fact, it does. Um, I asked a social worker to um, bring me along on meetings where she had different types of relationships and different communication styles with young people. So some she got on really well with and others she was just meeting for the first time with everything in between. So I actually got to see a massive range of interactions, um, all of which were quite different, but there were some similarities, um, which was really useful in helping me develop insights because I could see a, you know, a range of different ways of working. Um, and then when it came to doing the co-design work, um, there's a the team in Glasgow that I worked with, um, they only focus on leaving care so I just wanted to work with them if I'd worked with other social workers they would have been involved with lots of different types of cases so their their knowledge would have been um, much broader and I, I wanted to be quite specific so I just worked with the five social workers from that team and then the young people I was really really lucky um, I'd worked with a group of young people who'd left care before they were called the debate project so I knew them Um, and I'd supported them to do things that they wanted to do in the past. So I approached them and asked if they'd mind being involved in the work. Um, and they were happy to do that. Um, if I'd tried to create a group of young people and then got them ready to do the work, again, I think it would have taken far too... I, would, I don't know if I would have been able to do that. Um, I found it hard enough getting people to come to an interview. So um, I, I think I was just quite lucky that the debate project was there at the time. Yeah. I also think uh, I've I found with with young people in workshops, not only young people. Sometimes the people in the workshops can really surprise you. If I if I would choose which people to have in a workshop, I sometimes would end up with different people than we actually work with. But sometimes the ones, yeah, I wouldn't expect to really uh, perform well or be active in a workshop. In, in, in practice really are the ones who are super motivated so I'm always happy when when people also surprise me in that way yeah definitely and I think it's about opening up space in workshops for people to, to be able to do that to surprise you and to and to present things and to suggest things that you wouldn't normally have done so I quite like that I think there's something about when designing work with people and um, making sure it's not really tight that they're able to to bring something to the proceedings and you've created space for that as well so no, that can be quite good and it's lovely because it influences the design of future workshops and things that you do with people when you when you get to know the characters and what their motivations and, and things are so it's good um 
Now I'd like to ask you something about the uh, Service Design Award. Um, why why do you think your project was uh, was selected to win an award? Um, I thought about that question when I saw it written down and um, tried to think about how to answer that. And I'm a little bit unsure. Um, I think I was really pleased that the, the focus of the Service Design Award was about impact. Um, because I think a lot of service design can focus on process and tools and roles. Um, then there's part of the co-design process, and I'm quite I'm interested in that, I think, and there's impact in that for people um, and outcomes that benefit them. But I'm really quite interested in when the designer or the design process maybe um, is not so prevalent and it's actually what happens afterwards. So... Um, I think because I was able to show the impact of my work and the fact that that impact, the, the service I'd been working with wanted to scale it um, and that there's actually networks that would enable that scaling to go further than one local authority in Scotland. Um, there's possibilities for it to um, go much wider into each of the local authorities um, that, um, that was possibly um, quite a, a good angle to have presented for the award. In what way are you still involved in scaling up your uh, impact you made? Like you say, it's now going to different local authorities. Yeah, so um, it's not in the process of going to different local authorities at the moment. The next step that we need to take is to do is to improve the prototypes um, and to update them. Um, and then we need to do some more tests to see if we get the same um, evidence in terms of the impact. And if we do, then we'll scale that up again to do get even more evidence. Um, and in doing so, we'll have covered all of the services in Glasgow, which would give us quite a strong case study um, for one local authority. Um, because I think the key point here is not necessarily in people using the materials more often, but actually altering the way that people are interacting. Um, and I have a worry that people will use the materials but not change the way that they're engaging with one another, which could reinforce um, the uneven power dynamic that was is already prevalent. So we need to really look at... Um, how the training that goes along with using the materials and the support that's provided to practitioners to enable them to use them in a facilitative way. So at the moment, I'm writing up a um, funding proposal um, with Glasgow City Council um, so that we have got the time and the money and the resources to be able to do those types of tests of change and gather that evidence. And if that goes well, and there's a feeling that it, 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 it will... Uh, fingers crossed, might be being a bit presumptive, but I think it should go really well. Um, then we would look at how do we take the new prototypes and the new training and um, offer those to other local authorities in Scotland. I think it's really interesting that you uh, combine the materials and the trainings. I think that's something we also often see, that there's really an urge to... Uh, uh, to implement trainings together with the designs you make, because often, yeah, the good ideas that were there in the beginning they they disappear because they were not implemented in the 
in the way that we, you intended it as a service designer. So yeah, I'm really curious how that will actually uh, will actually work in the in practice as well. Yeah, me too. Actually, I think that's quite a hard one. I'm intrigued too, because um, I think there's two things for service design there, um, which I think are opportunities in the future. One is um, when we create material stuff. I sometimes think what we're hoping it communicates is implicit or we it's implicit within the materials and I think we need to make that explicit so for example in my work it's about facilitation um, and um, enabling young people to make decisions and that's great so we can make that explicit in the training that's fine but actually what that's doing is challenging the power structures and the culture within the service because it doesn't enable that to happen at the moment and that's a much much bigger challenge than getting people to use the activities and the materials that we've created. Um, and so how the training is connected into different levels of strategic buy-in within the service is actually quite key. And I actually think that's the core piece of work. We see the materials and we think that that's the service design, but actually the change mechanisms are within how people are enabling participatory facilitative practice. And that would be a massive change for the way that this service is provided. Um, and that would be the thing that really impacted on people the most, I think. Um, not to diminish the intervention that we created, but and that's that's the change we're going for. And that's quite hard to do, but um, quite exciting work. Definitely. Um, and now you, you won the award. What what difference could that make for you or for, for your project? What value does this award have? Um, I think the, the award's been really valuable um, just in terms of um, raising the profile of everybody's work um, and showcasing a, a, a large variety of different um, ways that service designers can contribute to businesses and contribute to organisations. Um I've had a lot more people contact me with interest in my work and my approach, which has been lovely um, and um, been offered opportunities to do um, different pieces of work. For example, this podcast and, and talk about things that um, you don't normally get the opportunity to do. So, um, no, it, it's been really great. Um, I, I think it's a, it's a great move forward. And I'm really pleased that... Um, the service design um, network opened it up to students because um, I think it brings a different um, flavour, different approach or a different time of your career and you're, you're working solo so the work's quite different compared to if you're working as part of an agency so um, it's really nice to just see a really broad spread that way. Do you have some uh, tips for other students um, or studying service design or something similar? Um, it's, it's a hard one because I didn't study service design at uni so and I'm aware of how the students are taught at Glasgow School of Art and it's um, a phenomenal course in terms of the things that you learn and the opportunities that you're given to learn in practice. Um, I um, figured things out through my PhD which was really, much, really research led rather than practice. Um, so I was learning really about being a researcher and, and the rigour of that and then trying to include my practice into that, which um, 
was sometimes a difficult um, merge. So I don't know if I could give anybody tips um, to do with service design, um, to do with doing a PhD. Um, I could possibly. Um, I think one of the things I struggled with was actually the merging, how you think about research when it's very academic and very sciencey with how you're engaging with practice, which is very um, emergent and um, um, attentive and reflective. Um, and so I came up quite late to um, action research methodologies, um, which are not still not very well blended with um, service design approaches, although there are some authors that have kind of highlighted that. Um, and so I, I would say... If you're coming at it from a research angle, go and find those authors and see where they see how the process works together and what still needs to be improved and then um, work on that improvement because that can only make your practice stronger um, and hopefully the work that you're doing even better. Have you had the opportunity to work with some of the service design students who, who are working on, on their own other projects? Yeah, um, so when I worked at IRIS, we um, worked with a group of um, students who were in their second or third year and we looked at the care for older people in Glasgow. So I got to see them working in practice um, and their, their approaches they were taking and that they were learning. We gave them quite hard topics to grapple with that actually the NHS and social services are still struggling with how to uh, respond to and they they were really they responded really well um and I actually think it's got quite a lot to do with the attitude of service designers in terms of being transparent and open and trying to share a lot of insights um emotive insights to really help people connect with what's going on um for people who are accessing services that really brings debate and discussion uh, together about how we respond to that in a different way. It's, it's great. They're really good work, actually. Um, you're working in the academic field of service design or worked. Uh, what do you think is the biggest difference between the academic world and the actual design agencies that are uh, more commercial in a, in a way? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't worked in any commercial service design agencies so I would be um I'd be assuming what they did or didn't do um I suppose the basic one is service design agencies are businesses so um they're working in a competitive landscape so they can't always share everything that they've learned in a project to help the field move forward because uh, they're competing for business whereas academics are supposed to publish um all the ins and outs of their work, what worked and what didn't work. Um, and so that kind of knowledge can help us move forward faster in terms of developing the field. Um, so I wonder actually for me if there's something about more academics um, working inside of um, agencies to help them develop their works, um, but also sharing some of the practice-based knowledge um, so that um, we're able to improve our practice and respond better to clients' needs and people's needs, um, potentially would be one approach to 
the development of the field. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point. Uh, though I am I am always happy to see that even though uh, yeah people do service design in, in commercial contexts, there is still a lot of sharing of information going on. Uh, for one, through the service design network, of course. Um, but in general, I think service designers tend to uh, share a lot of their uh, experiences, the tools they use. It seems to be a very, very open community. So I think that's a nice thing to see. Um, though, of course, there is a, a, a bit of a difference in the way their information is published and shared in, in the you know, more research side. Yeah, I mean, I like I said at the start, I I haven't worked in agent agencies, so I, I imagine there is quite a bit of sharing. Um, it would be good if we shared more about what the impact was for people and how that impact was actually realised. Um, I I think that would make the um, not so not just the numbers about what's changed, but actually um, really quantitative data about how people's lives have changed, which. Can actually be, take quite a long time to gather that kind of information and I'm not sure if organisations actually pay service designers or researchers to gather that, that kind of data so um, I think we've got some way to go to work together to, to make sure that we're able to really be much stronger and bolder about the impact of um, our work. If you look, at, look back at your project uh, so far, is there something you would have done differently? <laughs> I would have done it in a shorter time. <laughs> um, I uh, <laughs> because I wanted to know about the impact of my work. Um, it took much longer than if I just wanted to understand what I could change or how I could change it. Um, so the work ended up having three components: the design ethnography to understand, the co-design to co-create, and then um, having to do a test to evidence the impact it took too long <laughs> for one person to do um it would have been better if a team was doing it so I would change that although in the same breath if that's the one thing I would change it's the one thing I wouldn't change because that's it was the whole point of the work and it's the the, the reason that I've been awarded um the award so it's kind of 50 50 with that one so uh, you were saying uh, now you're working uh, as a as a consultant. Uh, what kinds of projects are you working on now? Is the continuation of this project? Or are you working on other things as well? Um, so I am doing the funding proposal, which is to help with furthering the project that I submitted for the Service Design Awards. So that's the stage we're at with that, with Glasgow City Council. Um, and then I'm working with two other organisations who are also in the field of improving care experiences for young people. So one is the Centre for Excellence for Looked After Children in Scotland, and the other one is the Life Changes Trust. Um, and they're both at the stage of um, trying to influence the care system so that um, practitioners and managers and service managers um, are able to improve experiences for young people so um, I'm just doing some scoping pieces of work with them at the moment to figure out where they're at where the system's at and what kind of um, design responses or um, co-produced responses um, we might want to enable within that system to change things for better hopefully. 
And uh, are you finding your experiences so far are helping in these uh, in these new projects? Is there any any insights you had from your uh, your previous project that are really turning out to be useful now in this current these current projects? Yeah, definitely. I mean, at the moment, I'm now working at a more strategic level with these organisations. Um, but my PhD and the work I did um, for the to um, that I submitted for the award was really grounded in people's everyday. So um, in people's living rooms, in people's homes, in people's offices, um, really getting to know what the ins and outs of working in the sector are like, the things that enable people, things that are barriers, cultural norms, just recognising all of that, um, being able to see where um, design may be able to support or intervene in that way or other um, approaches or methods um, so that when I am working with people at quite a strategic level who all have experience in that sector and in those services I'm able to work with them I'm not needing to catch up and um, they're not needing to feed me too much information so that um, I understand what they're talking about so the the PhD was really invaluable in setting that kind of foundation of knowledge and um understanding people's experiences in that way. I'm, I'm able to use that again and again in many different settings um, for, for many different reasons, whether it be strategic or if I'm recruiting people um, for different pieces of work or um, connecting and making um, networks and, and setting up groups. Uh, you said that uh, after winning the award, um, a lot of things happened, like, for example, this podcast and other examples. Are there... Other things that um, changed uh, your position in the service design field, like are you contributing to any other um, things in the field or with the service design network in itself? Um, I am not as yet because I've been um, focused on trying to um, um, to bring in business as a consultant. So that's kind of been my focus, but. I have been approached by different um, agencies who saw my work at the um, at the uh, network conference um, to work with them. So um, I've been speaking to them, um, and there's potential that I'm, I'm, I may work with them in the future, um, which is really exciting. I'm really pleased about. Um, I'm planning to publish. Um, the information about my work so just figuring out which journals to do that in um, and also to become more connected I suppose to the service design community in Scotland I've had um, more of an opportunity to do that I've been invited to different um, events um, at Scottish Government and with um, OpenWorks in Scotland and um, just to just to connect the wider community here, which is fantastic. I've been offered opportunities to speak. Um, so um, that's been really good because it, it, it grounds the work um, and connects people together. So that's been great. All right. Well, I think it's been very interesting for everybody to be able to hear uh, in depth uh, about your project. Um, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us uh, in, in our podcast and uh, wish you all the best in uh, your coming period as a, as a consultant and the new projects on the way. And of course, uh, in, in getting the grant that you're applying for. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Um, and just must say thanks again to Service Design Network for setting up a fantastic conference, um, focusing on impact and um, enabling students to enter. I think it's it's really, really great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. The Service Design Podcast was brought to you by the Service Design Network and Night Moves. For more information, previous episodes, or to join the conversation, please visit servicedesignpodcast.com. For more information about the Service Design Network, visit service-design-network.org. And for Night Moves, visit nightmoves.be. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to this podcast. The intro and outro music is from If the Stars Grow Dim Tonight by Hydrogen C featuring I Will, I Swear. Until next time.